You're listening to Football Friday Night On Demand exclusively on 600 ESPN El Paso. Stay up to date with high school football scores, updates, and news by downloading the free 600 ESPN El Paso mobile app. Time once again for another edition of the Football Friday Night Podcast On Demand. Adrian brought us here along with Alex Nicolas, my co-host here on the show. Alex, what's going on, man? Week 9, full of blowouts. Uh, full of blowouts, man, indeed. Uh, mismatches this weekend, but hey, man, I got to shout you out, man. You, you, you're the, your bachelor uh, days are numbered. Congratulations, <laughs> man. Saw that yesterday on Twitter. That was good to see. So if anybody had a, a, a winning weekend, of course, all the teams that came out on the other side, the positive side of the blowouts, but you had a good one too, man. Congratulations. Hey, I appreciate that, Alex, and shout out to my fiance, Alyssa Donnelly. Um, you know, it's funny, when I was planning this, I was like, I circled all the UTEP bye weeks. So I was like, when does <laughs> UTEP have a bye week? <laughs> yes, <laughs> sir. So oh, <laughs> I couldn't do it Sundays. The Rams play Sundays. <laughs> so I'm assuming the wedding's going to be in the summer or the spring, right? I, I mean, I'm yeah. just throwing it out there. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right on that. I like that. Good call. <laughs> Well, Alex, we got a lot to talk about here. Week nine, we, we want to do first a quick review over this past week, not um, week eight and nine. Uh, also want to talk the stats of the week and then preview ahead week 10 for next week. We'll also talk standings and uh, talk a little bit more about a playoff outlook in this edition of our podcast. Uh, first off, Alex, want to review this past week. I, there, there was a ton of blowouts, so we don't really have to dive too in depth on these, but I want to reel off some of our bigger games. Uh, we'll talk first our Cisco Movers game of the week this past week. Austin topping El Paso 30-6. to six. Seemed like it was just uh, Austin kind of cementing themselves as one of the contenders for this district, this screwy district right now, Alex. But also at, at the same point, El Paso may be showing who we really thought they were. Not necessarily a true contender, somebody who could try to hang with some people. But yeah, they're just not going to really be competitive against the tougher teams in this district right now yeah and we talked about it last week we talked about you know finding out if El Paso High was real and then we also mentioned about you know uh, Austin's defense of how well they've been playing over the past few weeks and that those two came into fruition we found out that uh, you know that Austin is our season that El Paso High may be a year away obviously with you know the junior quarterback Jerry Chitas putting up some numbers this year has a nice uh, also an underclassman receiver um, to help him along the way. But, you know, it's more to me, it's more about Austin and in the Eric Pichardo way there. Um, you know, they continue to, to go about their business. And, and that's what really kind of, you know, showed me as well that, you know, Austin could be one of those teams that you don't want to play, you know, that by district ground. You're looking at district 158, uh, looking straight at district 158 D2. And, you know, with the way that they played defensively and getting Jaden Wilson, who came on early on in the season, had a couple of big games, kind of had a quiet few weeks. And then last week, 228 yards, they gave it to him 30 yard, uh, 30 times, three touchdowns. That's a big, that's a big maturity mark for this Austin team to, you know, not only see what they're getting defensively, but to see some offensive production from a, a really good running back in Jada Wilson. 
You know, Jaden Wilson, we'll, we'll talk about some of our favorite stats uh, later on in the show. I don't want to spoil that, but what a performance he had. Uh, you're right, Alex. This Austin defense has been outstanding. The past, I mean, ever since really they lost to Chapin, ever since actually maybe they lost to Andrus, this Austin defense has really not allowed many points at all uh, in the past three weeks. So very impressed by this win by them. But again, it wasn't that much of a shock. I think we both kind of uh, thought this would be the case. Well, another, another one that was isn't really a big shock to us, at least for me. Horizon topping has led us 42-7, to cementing themselves as a contender for the number two spot. And hey, of course, we've got that big uh, district title game that will be probably the case in two weeks. Horizon Canyon Tio, after watching the Eagles, you know, throughout this whole season, I really don't think they dropped that game. But Horizon still proving everybody why they should be, um, you know, looked at a little bit more seriously as a playoff contender. You know what was more impressive to me uh, is that seven that they let up against Yisleta, who's been a team that's, you know, we've known them as a scrappy team that can put up, put up points and, and, you know, sort of hang around just for their the playmaking ability. And it's been like that for the past two or three years with, with Yisleta's offense. So to me, that was very, very impressive to see Horizon um, hold them to just seven points and really take it to another level. You know, we've been talking about how good the Horizon offense is all year long really haven't mentioned the defense because you look at some of the scores and some of the games that they've been in, they've been in some shootouts. And we figured that the whole going into the year that Horizon, I think we may have even said it week one, week two, but Horizon's going to have to get into shootouts against teams each week because our defense just hadn't proven that. But, you know, you look at over the past week and, and what they did last week, um, you know, hold uh, before the Horizon game, they held Parkland to just 28 points. Um, and then this week, you know, or this past week, shutting down Isleta, that's really impressive to me is, is what Horizon is doing defensively because I really felt that Isleta could hang around in this game. Like, like I mentioned, just because of the way they put up points and what they've been known for offensively. But that, to me, shows a lot. And another one of those maturity games, you know, just like I mentioned with Austin, going late in the season, you want your, your certain elements of your team to sort of mature. And maybe we're seeing that Horizon defense mature as well. I think we are, Alex. I, I really do. I feel like this district we're finding out a lot more about as well. Like we, we really see that Candy Teal could be the clear-cut team. However, Horizon is not a team to mess around with. Uh, Eastlake topping Motwood, 50 to nothing. Motwood totally depleted. Eastlake, and, uh, and, and you really look back to that Thursday game. Now we look at Franklin, Eastlake, and now, uh, of course, um, you, we got Franklin, Eastlake, and Pebble Hills as the three top teams in that district. We'll get more into standings later on in the program. But, Alex, these past wins, pretty significant for these teams, especially that Pebble Hills victory over Americas on Thursday. Yeah, you know, the cream rises to the crop late in the season, you know, and I think that's what we're seeing. And we're also seeing teams that, um, you know, that are wounded. You know, you mentioned Montwood, same thing against Eastlake, where Eastlake's been – um, you know, on the on the good side of injuries, you know, don't want to don't want to jinx these late. So I'll knock on wood here for that. Um, you know, then in the, in the and you look at the flip side of that game where Mont was beat up as well. So that's where you start seeing those those teams. Same thing, even with with that Pebble Hills win over Americas. You know, the Americas Caesar Drennan. Not sure what his status is. Could be an injury. Um, you know, but you're missing guys late in the season. That's never a good thing. And you know, on the flip side of, of the Pebble Hills win, you know, another maturing team, particularly offensively, the way they're able to put up 57 points like that and really hold America's down. I know America's put up 20, but that was pretty much a, a, a wide gap in that score from the beginning of that game. So, you know, those are the teams that, you know, 
have the opportunity that control their own destiny. So, you know, during the previous week of a practice that was being harped on um, as far as getting the job done, you know, Eastland getting the job done, you know, you expect to win 50, nothing, same thing with Pebble Hills, you know, expecting to have a comfortable win against America. So I think what looking at those teams, it, obviously what they did on Friday nights important, but what's more important and what's, would want to look at those teams is what they're doing during the week going forward um, because whatever, however they're preparing themselves, there's no distractions. Um, everything's going right on both sides of the ball. And, and that's what happens in, in these type of, of late season games where there's mismatches. And we always talk about trap games, but to not let that happen, that's impressive. And that goes kudos to those coaching staffs for really not taking the day off. And, you know, looking at Elijah Uribe, only 13 carries for 140 yards. Hey, he gets his numbers. You get 50 points. You get your bread. You get the win. Everybody's healthy, and you move on to next week. So that's that's what I think a lot of coaches kind of felt. Uh, but, you know, obviously right now as we're talking on a Sunday, getting ready, you know, you got to do it all again because there are, there are some trap games that we'll talk about going on, uh, and especially in 6A next week as well. Sure, sure. I, I feel like that's the case for a lot of these teams who are at the top right now of 6A who kind of have a clear playoff picture, but they don't want to spoil anything. And these uh, last two weeks are very critical for most of these teams trying to maintain either their seeding or, um, you know, trying to maintain playoff contention. It's a huge thing right now, Alex. Want to move into some of our favorite stats for this week. Uh, we'll get to some of the other games that we covered, like you covered Riverside, uh, who topped M- Mountain View this past week, 70 to nothing. I had Kenya Tio, who beat um, Hanks 54 to 10. We'll talk about those a little bit more when we get to the standings, Alex. But I want to touch on some of our favorite stats from this week. Uh, with blowouts come great uh, opportunities for some of these players to pad their stats. There are some good ones, and I'm going to throw out some nominees, and I'll ask you to do the same. So here we go. Number one, Austin's Jaden Wilson, 242 on the ground, two rushing touchdowns, eight total tackles on defense, two forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. We've got Ernie Garcia from Horizon, 153 rushing yards, four touchdowns in that big win that they had over the the past weekend. Elijah Uribe, who you just mentioned, Alex, still a pretty good game, even though we didn't see a a huge workload from him. 147 rushing yards and three touchdowns, and you know he's still that good of a player. He could rack up three touchdowns that easily. Nathan Alcala from Jefferson, the quarterback, he had 310 total yards in the win over Bowie, five total touchdowns. LJ Martin, I got a chance to watch this one, Alex, in person. Where were you when LJ Martin rushed for 372 rushing yards, five touchdowns, including a 95-yard rushing touchdown in this game? Man, I loved it. I love watching that kid. Uh, Riverside, I'm going to throw a, a team stat. Now, we're talking just individual stats right here. I'll throw a team stat at you. Riverside is averaging 66 points per game over the last four games. I'm sure you had something similar like that, and I'm curious to see what you have on, on them. Uh, Speedy Munoz, speaking of Riverside, 188 passing yards this weekend, 164 on the ground, four total touchdowns. And how about my man Cameron Bird? Your man. We're, we're your president. I'm vice president of the Cameron Bird fan club. And this man, 27 of 28, 96% completion rating. Uh, he had 326 through the air, five total touchdowns against Coronado in a 48-0 blowout victory in the West Side Bowl. Alex, take it away, man. What other ones did I miss? I have I have some team ones, too, from that Riverside game. Uh, one of the most impressive things that I've seen all year, Riverside's offense averaged 12.8 yards per play um, in that game. 
flip side of that, I'm going to give you a first half stat where um, the Riverside defense held uh, Mountain View to just two first half yards and just two first downs. Now, that oh, part of that, man. you had nine tackles for losses in that first half. Rudy Valenzuela, nine solo tackles, 11 total tackles, four tackles for loss in the second and a half. Um, I can mic drop there, but I do have one more that really, really impressed me. You know, this kid's been making plays really since he's put on a football uniform in his career. But Malcolm Anderson, five uh, carries, 109 yards, two tutties, and then six catches, 97 yards for three touchdowns. I think, you know, I'm hoping that that if you guys have a fantasy football league, that all these guys are in there and everybody had that Riverside defense because that's points, man. A lot of big numbers coming up from that one. And, uh, you know, shout out Malcolm Anderson, getting it done through the air, uh, you know, and on the ground there. So big, there's some, some pretty impressive numbers out there this week. Well, what's your favorite, AJ? I'm going to go with – it's so funny. I still want to go with Cameron Bird because going near perfect in a full game is pretty hard to do when you get upward of 30 pass attempts. Uh, also, I was just – I just thought that was his opportunity to really flex on everybody and, you know, show out and try to put up some good stats. I want to say him – but, oh, man, that L.J. Martin stat line was so yeah. awesome. I mean, I, for me, I can't wait to see once they get the official stats out there. You know, you know as, a, I guess, media members and people who take stats, we're always sweating it out a little bit, or at least I am. I'm yeah. like, how close, how close was I actually to this? And it, was I right? Did I miss something here? But uh, I had 372, and, you know, L.J. Martin, a, a, phenomenal, a phenomenal junior running back for the Canadian Eagles, he's their do-it-all guy. He was taking a lot of snaps at quarterback and still was able to get carries I thought they were going to take him out at the end of the first half the second half he plays a lot of quarterback and he still gets his numbers that way so I'm having to constantly be watching who's in that running back who's in that quarterback oh it's LJ Martin here he goes <laughs> and and you know what hey just forecasting for next year roared on the street uh, LJ Martin's their quarterback next year you know they're graduating their, their current quarterback Devin Granado so that's a that's a small audition for next year so just a, a little inside here that we're giving you on the podcast this week is that's a, that's not a decoy that's what you're more than likely I would say about 98 percent I've had a few people tell me that um that I could trust say and confidently say that on the air um being a podcast that yeah that LJ Martins will be their quarterback next year fun that's gonna be even fun to watch the guy can throw and pass and he can intercept passes is uh who's who what's your pick here for the stat of the week on your end he, you know, I'm going to go Jaden Wilson. I love it when you got those Let's two-way go. gritty yes. guys, you know, getting getting it done on both sides of the ball and in a rivalry game, you know, a game that meant a lot for the playoffs. When we think about that, we sort of touched on it about El Paso High. You know, that performance doesn't happen in El Paso High upsets Austin. You know, you're talking about a crazy path to the, to the, to the playoffs for Austin. So that's really what stood out to me is that the kid balled out on both sides of the ball, gave his team a comfortable win in that type of atmosphere with the Battle of the Claw. Um, that's a huge one. That That's a big-time performance. Those are the games that you, we look at those stats. Those always really kind of stand, stand out to me, the the, the, the parameters of, of that big game, and, and that's exactly what we saw from, from J.J. Wilson. So shout-out to that kid. 
a lot of standings news to go over and just kind of over this is a great time to look things over as we're approaching just two more weeks left here in the regular season of high school football here in El Paso before we get ready for some playoffs let's start off at 16a this is the big one where we have the city's best team in the Franklin High School Cougars who are 5 and 0 in 16a uh, behind them is Eastlake who's 4 and 1 Pebble Hills 4 and 1 on the season as well right behind them right behind the Spartans is Americas and Eastwood. So Americas is three and two on the season. Eastwood two and three on the year. Motwood is one and four. Coronado one and four and Socorro 0 oh and five. Safe to say that Motwood, Coronado, and Socorro are likely out of playoff contention, which leaves us with five really interesting teams. Now let's talk about Franklin possibly, you know, They've got Pebble Hills two weeks from now, which is a very interesting game, a potential trap game this week against Americas. I know that we were ready to put it in pen that the Franklin Cougars would be this district title uh, champions here in 1-6-A, but Alex, it's not going to be an easy road for them. Uh, a potential trap game this week on the road and then at home against a Pebble Hills team who refuses to lose. Yeah, for Franklin, it's it's a big test this week as far as, as the let-up test. I mean, we know how good they can be. Um, but, you know, we talked about it. You know, I mentioned about, you know, the coaches getting their players ready during the week. This is going to be one of those tests for America's because uh, – or excuse me, for Franklin because America's has a, a very interesting defensive scheme where they'll come in there and they're just going to straight man you up. You don't see that very uh, very often in District 168. You see a lot of zone. You see a lot of zone blitzes. America's will straight man and try to jam you off the line. That's what America's does. That's what Coach Melton likes to do. They'll send blitzes. They'll go zero blitzes. You know, they'll leave their guys on islands. And, and watching what Eastlake did um, or what, what they did to Eastlake and, and sort of, you know, gave Eastlake issues, you know, that's going to be one of those big mental tests for Cameron Bird, you know, um, to be able to be prepared for that, whether they're going to change the play at the line of scrimmage or make an adjustment or they're going to try to throw deep. Um, that's going to be a real interesting matchup. But Franklin, um, you know, they beat America's. They basically get a share of the district title. Uh, Pebble Hills will have to do a little bit of work as well next week against Montwood uh, to be able to set that to keep their dis- share of the district title, title hopes alive. But, yeah, Franklin will have an opportunity to pretty much get an outright district title uh, with the win and you know they're going to be fav- heavily favored in my opinion uh, you know the way that America's is injury wise and you go back to how Pebble Hills easily handled them I mean let's be real Franklin's probably a three touchdown favorite if we're putting a line out there Adrian um, but again the letdown games you know you know those are those possible those those possibles there but you know if Franklin is the team we think they are and we've been talking about that they are they shouldn't have any issues with that but like I mentioned that America's defense and coach Melton what they do to teams um, you know that's it's proven so you know never know what what can happen on a Friday night or a Friday afternoon because that's a four o'clock game Sure. And America's Eastwood is going to be a dogfight to see who gets this final playoff spot. I mean, for Eastwood, it's a lot of pressure because they come into the year highly regarded as one of the best city's best teams. And, you know, I, I feel like if you talk to Julio Lopez, he'd still argue that they're in that conversation. Uh, however, uh, in order to keep their playoff hopes alive, they cannot lose a single game. You look two weeks ahead from now, that's that's the game right there where playoffs are on the line. America's Eastwood and America's a younger squad. Of course, they would like to get into the playoffs that gives your team of younger players like quarterback Mark Moore so much more uh you know exposure to these bigger types of games yeah looking at the bottom of those standings along with them Montwood's pretty much mathematically um 
out of the picture. Socorro as well is out. Coronado has like a 0.1% opportunity. So it really does come down to Eastwood Americas. Um, you know, you're talking about Eastwood. They have Coronado this week. Um, you know, obviously Coronado's had a rough year. They've only scored 27 points on the season. So Eastwood, again, another one of those heavy 25 to 30 point favorites in my mind. Um, and Americas, either way, even if they beat Franklin, um, which, you know, obviously we were talking about right now, they would still have an Eastwood would still have an opportunity with a win against Coronado. So these basically win your last two and you're in for for Eastwood. So Eastwood has a little bit of an easier path. I mean, then America's in a sense, because you're looking at America's who plays Franklin and then has to play Eastwood. You know, at, at either way, it's going to come down to week 11 if the chips fall that way. Now, um, you know, if Coronado loses or if Coronado happens to beat Eastwood and let's just say, Eastlake happens to lose their last two, which would be against Coronado and Franklin. We could have some pretty crazy scenarios, you know what I mean? Like that's you, and that's what you try to avoid, you know, going back to talking about what's on the line for a team like Eastwood is trying to avoid something like that, you know, because, it, and, and especially even if you're America's, you know, I, there's one scenario where I look at where if Eastlake and Pebble Hills lose out, there would be a four way tie for second. So Eastwood would, Eastlake would be in. And then because they they've beat uh, pretty much the other three, uh, Pebble Hills would beat Eastwood and America, so they would get third. And then Eastwood would beat America's week 11, and they would get in, and America's would be on the outside looking in as well. So there's some crazy potential possibilities. That one is like the most – the last one that I read off to could be the most – uh, common of the crazy ones, but there's still low, low percentages of all that happening. Um, you know, if, even if America's loses or wins against Franklin, it's still going to come down to that final week between Eastwood and America's, especially, of course, like we mentioned, given that Eastwood beats Coronado. So it's really going to come down to those two teams. And like you mentioned, there is a lot of pressure on Eastwood because you draw, you, you don't show up against Coronado next week. It's, it's really out of your hands. And that's, you don't even want to get into the woods of that, especially you know, the way that things have gone for Eastwood over the past couple of weeks. And obviously they beat Socorro, which they should have. So another should have win this week. If not, you know, pretty much America's with an Eastwood loss and America's win that seals up our four, our four teams. So it could be easy. It could be, you know, next week, or it could get crazy. Adrian. And one six, eight, I think it'll be, I'll take the second option on that. It should come down to week 11 between Eastwood and America's because I'm not good at counting too. So I hope that, I hope it yeah, goes me too. I, I can't do that stuff myself. When, when that, when that stuff goes on, I look at probably those like two, five, eight, two teams. And I'm like, Oh man, this is going to be an absolute mess. But before we get to that <laughs> district, uh, I want to go to super five. A if I tell you, Alex, Nicholas, here on the date of October 24th, that the Chapin Huskies will win this district. What would you say? I would say they would have to have done it with a, a tremendous passing game and putting points on people, and that's what they've done. Um, you know, that's what's had to have been done for this Chapin team. Um, you know, offensively, you know, as good as they are offensively, they still have a very young offensive line. Um, and defensively, that's been a big weak point of them for the past couple of years. So, you know, I would have said they would have had to – done the exact same formula that they're doing now um, you know being able to put up over 300 points in their first eight games you know that that's what they would have to have done so um, you know credit to coach Warner you know we, we kind of left I, did we give him a shout out did we give him a shout yes. out last week uh, in, in our coach right. of the year conversation so um, you know for there that's you know they're sort of in the driver's seat just like Del Valle you know and that's how that's what it's going to come down to of course all four teams make the playoffs and seating wise right now 
I think you could pretty much see, uh, put El Dorado as a favorite to beat Bel Air to kind of get the nudge for that three seed. But yeah, Chapin Del Valle, it's going to come down on that one. Um, you know, who would have thought that that would have been such a competitive game? I mean, we know Del Valle and Chapin traditionally always played close games together, but we've known over the past couple of years that this is not the same Chapin program. But with Chapin's offensive ability, man, I mean, I give Chapin a puncher's chance in that as well as Del Valle's played all year long. But, you know, if you can put up points and you have a good quarterback in high school football, just as Chapin does and makes the standard for, you have a chance each week. You know, I, I always feel that. And especially late in the year, um, you're playing for something, the stakes are raised a little higher. Uh, Chapin's six and two, they 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 have a you know they're on a five game winning streak you know they it, it doesn't matter really who you beat sometimes it's just about figuring it out how to win and that's da- that's a dangerous combination too when you when you when you talk about you know Del Valle scouting Chapin you know you want to also factor in that so that's going to be a, a very very interesting game that we should all have circled on our calendars. So give me the case for Del Valle. Jesse Ramos, I've been impressed with him all year. Um, you know, I think it, you you got to knock them off. You know, I I talked highly of Chapin, but Delvai is still the the favorite. You know, especially what Delvai does defensively. You know, it's hard to spread them out because they have speed too. You know, Delvai doesn't have very good size defensively, but they will. They got the boys still coming. They got a lot of speed. They're technically sound. They're not going to get beat basically by Chapin's scheme. Um, you know, they're going to be well prepared, and, and that's where. And, and, and there's you know the way that I look at it, Delvai is one of those programs that you know uh, you know with with Rudy Cortez now in his third year I believe um you know carrying over from Jesse Perales where they're expected to win these type of games you know they, those guys get up for big games I've seen Del Valle play you know go up against Giants and punch Giants in the mouth I'm talking about the Dent Ryans of the world you know that that's what they do in the lower valley you know they they get up for those type of games especially teams from the Northeast you know I remember a couple of years after I graduated uh there was a little thing going on between Del Valle and Anderson you know we got them one year they got us one year because they were just up for those type of games so that's the Del Valle difference to me is Del Valle turns it up to another level mentally with that intensity and, and you know and you know, one family, one destiny, you know what it is that that's culture over there, man. And I, and I respect that. And, and that, that's why I would think, you know, Chapin as good of a pedigree Chapin has, they haven't done it recently. Delvaya has, and, and, you know, for Chapin, they got to go in there with the, with the attitude that I got, I'm going to go in there and take it type of attitude. And Delvaya brings that every one of those big games. So that, that's always my case for Delvaya. Let's move over to 5A1. This one uh, is led by Kenya Tio, who's 3-0 and on the season, 8-1 and regular season record. Horizon coming in at number two with a 2-0 uh, record in this district. Yisleta at 3-1-2. Parkland still trying to find their first win in district play, 0-2 on the season in district, along with Hanks, who's 0-2 as well. Alex, the way that things could shape out in this district – Pretty much is lining up for Kenya Teal, uh, looking to be a uh, a district champion for the first time in four years, and then Horizon possibly getting that second place spot. Now I'm really curious to see if it's going to be Isleta at, at the third place spot, or if Parkland can maybe rally back, win a couple late season games, and maybe get that third spot and close out their season a little bit better than they've been, uh, you know, during the stretch. Yeah, I think the way that that it's more than likely going to shake out, I think it's going to come down that fourth and playoffs, fourth and final playoff spot could come down to the last week with Parkland and Hanks. Now that's given, um, you know, you're looking at where Parkland is at as far as, you know, you know, possibly missing the playoffs, you know, obviously you know, looking at what Parkland has, they have Yasleta and Hank. So this is a very, this is a must, must win game 
for Parkland. If Parkland is out, that means they they don't their only path would be to beat Hanks in the final week of the season uh, because they would have those three losses. So if you're Parkland, you know, being able to 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 get this one is very very important. Now it looks like looking standings wise, it looks like either way. Um, I know Hanks would play Horizon this week. So, you know, that's another scenario, too, where either way, even if Horizon beats Hanks and Yuseta beats Parkland, there's still Parkland and Hanks is going 0-3 into that final week for one spot, winner take all. So it's really going to come down to Parkland and Hanks in that final week, uh, pretty much no matter how much it shakes. And now seeding-wise could be a little bit different. And that's what you're talking about with Canotillo and Horizon. Um, you know, Horizon has – an opportunity to make that final game of the season a, a district title type game. Um, you know, yep. if, if, you know, to once they beat Hanks, which obviously yeah, they would be, you know, they would be a heavy favorite, you know, I'm going to have to start, do, we might have to do that. We might have to start putting out a uh, fake Lions, Adrian, because I think uh, yeah, Horizon <laughs> would be a 27 point favorite over, uh, um, you know, over Hanks this week as well. Yeah, I'll take and the I'm, over. Yeah. And the over would be, had to be a very high over on that one too. But yeah, I mean, all signs here, they, this one, this district's pretty easy to figure out because, yeah, it's going to come down to Horizon Canotillo, um, final week for that one seed in the D.C. And then, it, you know, I think Yisleta at this point, because they have one win, is pretty much in the playoffs right now. Um, and then it's going to come down to Parkland and Hanks, really. But, yeah, Parkland, you know, Parkland can get that three seed and avoid Andres, Burgess, and obviously we'll get into that right now. Um, but that's where you want to avoid. And I think that's if you're, if you're Coach Franz and staff, you know, yeah, you don't want to lose against Yisleta, but winning against Yisleta really gets you in a position where now you can get a th- – instead of sneaking into the playoffs or, you know, you get a three seed and now you kind of put the pressure um, off yourself going into next week against Hanks where it's like, hey, we already got our one win. Let's take care of this one. Let's hope that we can lock up that three seed. So for Parkland, um, even though their season hasn't gone as well as, it, as we expected, you know, possibly – at least their district schedule so far, starting off 0-2, they could still grab a, a three seed, and that's not out of uh, out of the far realm of possibility, but it starts this Friday against Isleta. 2-5-A-2, let's open up the can of worms that is the madness of this district, uh, and here's where the madness starts. Four teams tied for first place in this district, Burgess, Austin, Andrus Jefferson, all at three and one on the season in district play. Um, It's such a maddening district right now, but it's going to be a lot of fun the way that it could shake out. Um, El Paso High outside looking in right now, two and two in district play. They could still theoretically get into the playoffs, but it would take a lot from the Tigers. Bowie, one and four on the year. And then this this, uh, district is wrapped up by Irvin, who's 0 and five, uh, really struggling right now in district play. I look at all four of those teams to start off, Alex, and you could even look at our preview, you know, for this upcoming week in week 10. We've got Austin Jefferson, which could tell us a lot about who could be in real contention when it's all said and done. Andrews has a manageable game against El Paso in which I think they could, uh, you know, top them. And, uh, you know, I expect Burgess to also win this week. Alex, this is a huge week for this district, which could set up a ma- like, you know, a huge, huge final week in this, in this district to see who wins the title. Yeah. This district could be decided next week or it could be decided last week. The crazy thing about this district is you mentioned all four teams, two of them in, in where I'm looking at already have clinched playoff spots as Jefferson and Austin. Burgess and Andrus have not yet, and the only reason why is because Burgess and Andrus haven't played El Paso, 
who you said still has an outside chance. So basically, uh, if you're Andres or Burgess, or you have, you know, Andres gets them first, Andres beats El Paso, they're pretty much in. Burgess with the with the win would at that point pretty much knock out El Paso High as well. So y- this week, I think what what we're seeing is all four teams could possibly clinch. And then we're talking about the last week of the season. We're talking about seed crazy, um, you know, in terms of an EPISD, they coin flip, you know what I mean? And that's the thing too. That's yes. one thing that, that, that you have to remember looking at this district is that, yeah, next week we can figure out all the playoff teams, all four of the playoff teams may be set next week. Um, but, you know, we could also, we, we could possibly have three teams that only have one loss. That's what would happen. I mean, obviously you said Austin and Jefferson, so that would knock Jefferson out of that district title conversation. And then basically you would have Austin, Andrews, and Burgess that would have to flip or play to see if we're going to flip for that one seed. So easy, easy scenario here is Burgess, Andrews win. They're in the playoffs already. El Paso High is knocked out. And then you would just go into that last week of talking about who's going to play who from what two, five, a and one, five, a, and like we mentioned too, there may be, that's the, you know, the, the, we don't know really all. We can guess that Cano Theo, like we mentioned, one, Horizon two, um, Ysleta Parkland three or four. But in this district, when you're looking at the potential matchups, I mean, you could have some, you know, teams that, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Obviously, you know, if you're a t- like if you're in two five A D two, you want to be able to have you know an, an easier matchup with possibly a Horizon, um, you know maybe a Yuseta, but that's out of your control at this point because they could come down to a coin flip. So that's what makes it real real interesting is you know a team like Andrus who's you know could finish five and one. You know they lost to Burgess depending on how things fall. They could possibly be a three seed just on the virtue of a coin flip. So this is a, a wait and see type of district because there could be um, some very some some crazy scenarios uh, heading into week four or excuse me week 11 uh, with just trying to figure out who's one through four in those playoff spots yeah I guess the best way we could say this right now Alex is if Jefferson wins this week and, and the madness ensues for the final week if yeah. Austin beats if Austin beats uh, Jefferson maybe we have a clearer path to understand who could be the district champion although it would still be difficult to kind of manage that I think it would make for a, a really good you know I, I guess a really good week uh, you know a week 12 or what what would it be week 11 uh, to close out the regular season to finally see who could win this district that would be the coolest part about this is just rooting for madness just to see what ends up happening as far as seeding goes and really the only uh type of big matchup if you look week week 11 is andrews jefferson you know that's the one where you could possibly see an upset as well um you know depending on how things go this week with jeff and austin but you know that's the thing too You, you figure jefferson you know, just like your scenario, Jefferson beats Austin, then they go beat Andrus. Well, now Jefferson's still in that district title race, you know, even though they would, you know, as far as a share of a district title, but there would still be a coin flip between them and Burgess to knock down that one and two seed, you know what I mean? So there could be some crazy, crazy things. It could be crazy. And all eyes, I think, really depend on that Austin-Jefferson game. And if by any chance that El Paso can knock off Andrus, even though Andrus has had El Paso's number for the last – uh, 20 years or so but you know that that could be another one too where you might just want to keep an early eye on just in case of any madness uh, ensues this week heading into what should be a crazy final week wow i love i love the madness 
me personally. Let's go to 1-4-A, Alex, and let's close out the district kind of standings and playoff outlooks with this district uh, in a massive game this week. I can't wait for it. Oh, yeah. It's Riverside-Clint, both teams undefeated in this district. Riverside playing outstanding recently, four straight wins. Clint, you can't sleep on the Lions at all. They're 4-4 four and four on the year, 2-0 and oh in district play. Uh, Riverside coming off a huge victory against Mountain View. They're leading this district, while Fabens is in at third, one and two. San Elizario comes in at fourth, zero uh, and two on the season, and they're tied with Mountain View, who's also zero and two on the year. Alex Riverside Clint is is possibly well, it is the game of the year in this district. No doubt. I mean, that's a district title game. That's seeming seemingly that could be something that's going to be a, a trend if Riverside stays in 4A. You're going to see these two at the top of the standings. Um, and Mountain View at the bottom. Mountain View beats down to the audio. They're in. So that's really where you're looking at it there as far as seeding for, for them. Um, if you're Riverside, you know, normally you want to play San Angelo Lakeview. That's the team you sort of want to draw. So that's another reason why that game is so big. It, it turns into playoff seeding. And for Riverside, they have a bye week going going into before the playoffs. So, you know, they're going to put all their eggs in the basket this weekend against Clint. Um, And same thing with Mountain View. Like I said, Mountain View is in. um, Fabian fans, you know, you can thank thank Mountain View for that because you'll be in the playoffs as well. So uh, a little bit easier in that district. And, you know, hopefully San Eli gives a fight. Um, you know, they haven't been very much competitive this year. Mountain View is going to be hungry. You know, they got 70 hung on them by Riverside. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the top of this district, though, it's going to come down to Riverside. Clint, um, honestly, after watching Riverside last week, man, I'm, I'm had to put out there there'd be a 22-and-a-half point line. I think Riverside is a heavy favorite against Clint in this game uh, just because how explosive Riverside is. But um, that should be a good one. I mean, Clint could slow the game down with that run game, too. But Clint could put up points. So that's, that's where you kind of get into the weeds of being too confident saying that Riverside's going to be a heavy favorite. I uh, always want to give Roosevelt Martinez and them boys love out there. But, um, you know, Riverside may just be on a different level this year than anybody in that district. Let's touch on some of the other games that we haven't touched on yet for week 10 with this, Alex, and close out the podcast with that. Chapin El Dorado, very we, – we talked about the Huskies recently, yep. uh, Super 5A. If the, Chup, uh, if the Chapin Huskies were able to top El Dorado, maybe even play a little bit better than Del Valle played against El Dorado this past weekend, that might bode very well with Chapin momentum-wise heading into that last game against Del Valle. Yeah, you know, maybe I got ahead of myself talking about, you know, Chapin challenging Del Valle. You know, you, you can't sleep on El Dorado right now, what Coach Frankie Martinez and his coaches are doing over there. And, you know, they – I know El Dorado – or excuse me, Chapin – uh, Del Valle jumped out early on them, but they fought back and made that a close game. Uh, you know, at, at late, especially late in that fourth quarter, they had an opportunity to make that one close. So, you know, El Dorado's improving. They're a team that, you know, you can't just totally count out. And Chapin's got to play well um, to just continue that winning streak. Like I mentioned, they won five in a row. So if there was a letdown game, and, you know, it would definitely be a big spoiler to now instead of having a possible winning an outright district title, you're just trying to tie Del Valle to take a share of that title. There's a lot of importance, I think, this week uh, in Coach Warner and, and his staff's message to not overlook this El Dorado team because they can put up points. They're a very physical offensive team with Isaiah Rudison. They have two good quarterbacks there that can make plays. They're both versatile. Turnovers has been the key for El Dorado. If El Dorado keeps down the turnovers, I think they're going to have a chance against Chapin. Uh, and that's going to be a big key, I think, really for both teams. But for Chapin, not looking ahead, you know, staying on focus, focusing on the Aztecs this week, taking care of business, and then, you know, the big one against Del Valle. So that, you know, trap game for sure, that's one we definitely want to keep an eye on. That's definitely 
a, one of those scores that I'll be double checking all night on Friday. If you had to pick an upset between Franklin Americas, Parkland Isleta, Austin Jefferson, and Clint Riverside, which one would you go with? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, that's a good one. I think I, I think Jeff. I, I go with Jeff. They're 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 the hot team right now. Um, you know, even if it is, even if they do have the better record, obviously, I, I would think Jeff would be the upset team just as well as, as Austin's played over the past few years. But I would think Jeff, you know, they're on a, they're on a mission. Uh, I talked about coach Martinez and Lane last week and what he's building there. And you mentioned the 300 plus yards from Nathan Nakala, that's starting to become a thing. And when that becomes a thing, uh, and like, you know, you hear me, you've heard me say it on this podcast before you hear me say it as long as I'm on this podcast, you have a quarterback that can move the ball and make plays, do it with his legs, do it with his arms. You're going to have an opportunity. And I think that may be that advantage that they can have. Austin has trouble with, with, uh, with dual threat quarterbacks. It's been proven, you know, when they played Burgess, obviously they had Burgess' number, but even Andrus at certain times with that speed, they have trouble with teams with speed. They can, they can punch you in the mouth. But that's really the difference. And Jefferson has some speed to work with. And that, that's, what I, that's where I would go there. I would, side with, uh, I would side with Jefferson as well. I think that's going to be a great game. I still wouldn't be surprised, of course, if Austin won. They're probably going into this one, the favorites. Uh, but, Alex, as we turn the page and kind of look to the, uh, the future and kind of this upcoming week, uh, should be some really, really interesting games. We previewed a bunch of these games that we just talked about right now. But, Alex, I'm really just looking forward to week number 10. Uh, this season has been a lot of fun in high school football. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to see what else we get to see from uh, this upcoming week man yeah parkland isleta that's another important one jeff austin um you know and obviously you know the big one the district the district one for a title those are the three games that i'm looking at uh you know that clint riverside game so and again playoff positioning you know that that's what it's about you know you've you come this far and you know comes down to one game one week and then now it gets down to that fourth quarter and it comes down to that one play or that one situation so this is a great great time of year um, also the the time of year where you start looking east and start looking at the two six days you start looking at the three five a's um you know the three five a d twos the four five a d twos the two five a d1s and kind of start seeing who's at the top of standings there start looking at some scores start getting pieces together and uh it's a great time of year and then you know i'll be looking to, in a few weeks looking for a little uh looking to travel east and go watch some playoff games man looking forward to that as well so it's, it's oh, always a good time definitely. of the year I can't wait, man. I think there's some teams here in the city of El Paso that have real chances of, of winning some playoff games. Uh, we've talked about them a lot here on the show regularly, so I can't wait to see what ends up happening. But Alex, as always, man, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we'll be back again next week to preview a, the, the finale of this season. How about that? How crazy is it to think that we're almost done? Time goes by. That's a Tupac song. I was trying to finish it, but we all know it's a, it has to be edited. But yeah, time goes by having fun. <laughs> awesome Alex great stuff as always man thanks again no problem see y'all next Friday